Well, it's so good to hear about what God's doing in Forest life. And as he was sharing, I looked up and saw Brandon Smith. Brandon, wave your hand. I don't know how many of you know Brandon, uh, but Brandon is the first missionary that we sent out from the church at Avenue South, and he lives in Guatemala. And so he's back in the States during the holidays. And so, Brandon, we're grateful for you for being a trailblazer and helping set an example for our congregation. And Matthew is correct. It is a healthy metric to evaluate the growth and the vitality of a church based on a number of services or how many people are there. Those are important indicators. But we want to be a church and we want, as the staff, we want you to care just as much about how many numerically women and men we send out into the mission field and how to help them get where they're going. So Brandon, we're so grateful for you. Uh, So grateful for Forrest. Uh, There are many others that are praying about going Uh, to where God's called him, and we're grateful for that. Uh, You're going to see the scripture passage on the screen this morning from Hebrews chapter 4, and I want to encourage you to turn there if you haven't already uh, to follow along with us. Uh, You know, this is one of those seasons during the year when people make a lot of wish lists. It's Christmas time, and people, most definitely children, tend to make wish lists. When we ask the the kids to put together a list of things they might want for Christmas, Uh, We ran out of paper, and we ran out of ink, and I thought, my word, we'll never be able to scratch the list, the surface on this list. And so whether you're a child or whether you are an adult, it's one of those seasons where we tend to culturally be in the habit of making some requests. And I guess one of the things I want to pose to us as a question this morning is if there was something you needed from God, and maybe you showed up this morning and you know what that thing is. But if there was something you needed from God, do you have the confidence to approach him and to ask him for it? If there was something you needed, if there was something you wanted, do you have the confidence to approach God and to ask him for that thing? I want to tell you that Advent, the coming of Christ, the season of Christmas, means that God is here. And that Jesus has removed any barrier or limitation for you to approach the God of the universe. Advent and Christmas means that you can approach God and you can ask him for anything you may need. may not be exactly what you want, but the Lord will always respond to what you need. And my question is, do you have the confidence to ask for it today? Do you have the confidence to ask for it this Christmas season? You may not have what you need, but don't let it be. Please don't let it be because you don't have the confidence to ask. If you're here this morning and there's something you are longing for, you desire for, you are pursuing in your life, and you lack the confidence to boldly approach the God of the universe and to ask him for that thing, then these three verses are a gift to you. And I pray that you would stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this passage together from the book of Hebrews. This is what God says to his people throughout the centuries and today to the church at Avenue South. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet is without sin. 
Therefore, let us boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest, Jesus, who is like us, but is able to do something for us that no one else can do. In response to that, approach the throne of God's grace with boldness and confidence and ask what it is that you need and know that the Lord is pleased to receive you and desires to respond to you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I have often found that you have pruned out of me personal requests for things I want. There have been many times you have never given me what I have wanted, but you have never failed to deliver and provide exactly what I have needed. So for the woman or the man in this room who immediately knows what it is they need from you, what they are desperate for in pursuing you and hoping that you will respond, I pray that they would have the confidence and the boldness to ask and that knowing that there is a God and his name is Jesus would empower them to approach you and to live in response to that confidence. We pray and say all of this in Jesus Christ's name, your Son and our Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a very small passage of Scripture that we just read. It's three verses from an incredibly awesome and wonderful book, the book of Hebrews. Since it's three verses, I thought what we would do is we would walk through those three verses together and maybe talk a little bit about what each one means and why it implies and why it guarantees that you and I can have confidence to approach God with whatever it is that we may need or want to request of him. In verse 14, the author says that we have a great high priest, and he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus being a high priest. Now, most of us around Christmas time will refer to Jesus as a wonderful counselor. Maybe you've read that in the book of Isaiah, a wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father, mighty God. You usually don't hear people at Christmas time refer to Jesus as the great high priest. But the author says that's exactly who Jesus is. That's the role that he plays in our lives. You see, the author of Hebrews is writing to a group of women and men who were from the Jewish tradition and background. And in Jewish religious culture, you needed a priest to go represent you to God. The role of the priest in Jewish society was to represent the people to God, to present their concerns, their requests. But it was also to hear from God and then represent God to the people. Think about the word mediator, someone who mediates something between two parties. That was the role of the priest. And the role of the priest was critical in this Jewish religious society. It was necessary for this person to represent the people to God. But unfortunately, a priest, even though he would walk into the temple and represent the people to God, a priest could, well, it was pretty unfortunate, but he could rarely identify with what the people were going through. Well, sure enough, he was human. He was a person. Maybe he even grew up in Jerusalem and walked those streets as a child. But priests spent most of their lives preparing for priesthood. They were secluded. They were put into Jewish little rabbi school. And when they became a priest, they were separated and removed from the common life that most men and women shared. The people needed a priest to present their concerns to God. 
But a priest could very rarely identify truly with what the people were experiencing. Have you ever shared something that you're going through with somebody, and when they say, I know how you feel, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? When you and I share our stories or when we go online looking for communities, whether it's a health symptom that you're searching out or whether it's an answer to a question that you're pursuing about career or personal relationships, there's something wonderful about finding community, whether it's personal or online. We, we want to know that someone understands what it is that we're going through. The priest knew a lot about the people, but he really couldn't fully identify with their struggles. And that was a challenge about this relationship of the priest representing the people to God. And the priest would go into the temple to offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people. The people, being beautiful but broken, were sinful, just as you and I are. And when I say sinful, I'm not trying to be judgmental or harsh, but you and I are broken. We are flawed. We are sinful. And you don't have to wait very long to see this play out in humanity. I mean, the children that are in the preschool and children's area this morning, you don't have to teach them how to steal and grab toys that they want to play with. You have to work with them on what it means to share and, and to compromise, right? Because our flesh wants what is best for the flesh, and we often make choices or we sin, and, and we need someone to fix and redeem that sin. How many of us showed up here in the morning with maybe a, a choice we've made in the past and even doing our best efforts to redeem those circumstances? We can't fix what has been lost or broken. So the priest would go into the temple and he would literally offer a sacrifice on behalf of the sins of the people. And the priest would bring in the blood of an animal and he would offer it in the temple to God himself as if to say and to say, Lord, instead of punishing the people, instead of punishing me and all of us for our sinfulness, look upon this animal that, that shed its blood and lost its life in exchange for ours. And God, in his mercy, would forgive the people. And that was a great thing. That's what they needed the priest to do on their behalf. But the priest had to keep going back into the temple because as much as he could go in there as a mediator between God and the people, he couldn't personally achieve forgiveness on behalf of the people. So it was this constant pursuit of forgiveness, and it could never be permanently acquired on their behalf. But, but not only that, the priest could go in and meet with God, but the people couldn't go in and meet with God. In the Old Testament, you see that God's presence dwelt in the temple. God's presence was at the temple, and if you wanted to go be close to God, you went to the temple. And inside the temple, in the Holy of Holies, a sacred and secluded room. Only the high priest could go in one day a year to offer atonement for the sins of the people. He had limited access, and as much as the people might want to go in there, they could not. They couldn't get access to God in a way that the priest had access to God. So when the author of Hebrews tells us at this time of the year, during Advent, during Christmas, that we have a great high priest... What he is communicating to us is that, yes, that was the old way that sins were forgiven, that people were restored into right relationship with God, but it was inadequate. It was incomplete. But what Jesus has done in coming for us is Jesus has offered himself as the sin sacrifice for humanity. 
that Jesus offered himself for the sins of humanity. He didn't offer the sacrifice of an animal or something else. He laid down his own life. That is why we sing hymns and songs about how precious and sweet is the blood of Christ. Jesus offered that on our behalf. And when Jesus laid down his life on the cross, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says that after Jesus made forgiveness for sins and made forgiveness available to men and women, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It's one of the best verses in the entire book because what's interesting about the priest inside the temple, there was no stool or chair for him to sit because his work was never done. He always had to keep going back to receive the forgiveness to deliver to the people. And one of the things that Jesus has done for us is the Bible says that after he laid down his life in exchange for ours and accomplished the forgiveness of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, permanently finished. Jesus didn't need to go back into the temple multiple times like an earthly priest because he's the only one who can guarantee that forgiveness has been achieved and secured for any and all mistakes, indiscretions, past transgressions. This Bible verse talks about in verse 16, mercy. Mercy means forgiveness for things that have happened in the past. The kindness of God for things that have happened in the past. That is what Jesus was able to do for us in a way that no human representative to God could do. But more than that, inside the temple, there was a huge curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple and the rest of the people. And when Jesus laid down his life on the cross and said, it is finished, the Bible tells us that the veil of the temple curtain tore from top to bottom. It tore from top to bottom. And there are no throwaway lines or phrases in the Bible. The, the authors of the Bible don't just put that in there for filler. The reason it's in there is to tell you that no human, this was huge curtain, no human could tear this curtain. It was God himself removing the barrier between the people and the presence of God himself. So the author of Hebrews tells us, you can call Jesus wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. But the miracle of Advent that comes to us from these verses is that Jesus has done for us what no other person could do. He has been the perfect sacrifice. He's made atonement for sins once and for all. It is in his hands to deliver to us, and he has removed any barrier for you and me to have access to the God of the universe the author says, no one has done that for you like Jesus has. And that is why he is the great high priest, the better high priest. You have access to God himself. And what's happening there is that the, the approach to God or the engagement to God has changed totally and completely. Let, let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, several months ago, I took our daughter to, to the, uh, the pediatrician. And when we walked in the pediatrician's office, I don't know why I'd never really noticed this before. There are some children's books around. Uh, but it was pretty plain and pretty normal. And there were some different colors on the wall. But it was mostly uh, khaki and off-white and pretty just straightforward. And, I, you know, I thought about going to the, the doctor's office myself. I don't know how many of you like going to the doctor's office. I do not like going to the doctor's office. I don't like the waiting room. It may, like, I, I don't want to go. It, it feels cold and unwelcoming. And, and I think sometimes when you and I have a need, we, we really need to go to God. You and I view approaching him like going to this place that is cold and unwelcoming. And, and maybe if we even approached him, he wouldn't want to see us. I got to believe there's a man or woman in the room that you feel like God... All the promises of God are true for the person on your right or left, but maybe not for you. 
And some of us are afraid to approach God because we feel like if I go to him, he's like this judge in a robe that is just waiting to drop the gavel on me. And one of the things, if that's how you feel, one of the things that God tells us through this passage is that approaching the throne of God is not one where you should fear and you can't have access to and that you are distant from him. Jesus has transformed the residence and the place where God resides into one of grace. That means unearned favor. That he freely distributes his grace to you and to me. It is one of welcome and hospitality. And this past week, I took Ellis Joy to the pediatrician. And it was like Chip and Jojo had been in there in total transformation. There were Christmas lights up everywhere. There were decorations everywhere. There were pictures. Every family's Christmas card. I don't know how many children go to this pediatrician. Every family's Christmas card was up there. And I realized ours wasn't. So I moved right along from there before our daughter asked, why didn't we send them one? I just forgot. But it was warm and welcoming and inviting. People were even wearing sweaters and clothes that were green and red and bright and festive. It was like a total transformation in there. And I'm simply illustrating the obvious. It it was one experience before Advent season happened, and it was totally welcoming and inviting and warm. And one of the things for those of us that are afraid to approach God with our request, or you lack the confidence to present your need, what Jesus has done is he has removed the barriers, the obstacles, and he has transformed the throne room from a place where only one person could go to give in total and complete access to all of us. And it is a place of warmth and hospitality and grace. That means welcome where you can approach God and not only does he want to see you, but he can't wait to be with you. And that's what the great high priest has done. That is why Christmas is so important. That is why Advent is so critical to our lives and for us to celebrate it. Any misconception you and I may have about what it means to hesitantly approach God, Jesus is trying to shatter, destroy, and rip the veil to show you he would love to entertain you in his presence. And all you need to do is ask him for what you need. The question is, will you ask him? I mentioned this just a moment ago. You and I may not have what we need spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. But let's don't let it be because we don't have the confidence to ask him for it. The Bible tells us that because of what Jesus has done, because of his birth, his death, and his resurrection, you and I can be empowered to walk boldly and confidently into the presence of God and ask for whatever it is. What does verse 16 say? We can ask with boldness whatever it is that we may need mercy for from the past and grace, that means God's provision, his gracious resources in our time of need now or any time in the future. That you and I can walk in there. Now, boldness also means reverently. We don't walk in there flippantly, whether that is literally like the Lord is in this place. So maybe we show up on Sunday morning, and I want you to be confident and bold, but it's still reverent. That's one of the reasons we stand in honor of God's word. We're in his presence, and he is, he's so like us in that he can sympathize with us because of Christ, but he's so other than us in that he has saved us, and God is holy in a way that we can only find holiness in him. But we go in there asking freely and asking boldly and asking confidently. Let me tell you how this plays out in my life. I don't know how many of you in the room have children, but it's not unusual. And this applies for any of us. It's not unusual for the kids to to have a situation at school or with a friend in the neighborhood where they need confidence about the situation. 
It's not unusual when I drive my son to school in the morning, and I love that ride where we can just talk, and it's usually not in-depth things, but I ask him about his day, and it's often like pulling teeth to find out what he's going to have for lunch, much less what friends he hangs out with, and what is he thinking about, and what's he excited about, but we talk about those things, and sometimes one of the children will have an important meeting that day. Or they'll have a, a conversation with a teacher. And sometimes it's not bad, but sometimes the teacher will say, I want to meet with you. I want to talk to you about how we can improve this task that we do in writing. Or I want to talk to you about, you do this real well. I want to talk to you about what it might mean to really learn how to do that even better. And I don't know about you, but like I didn't just get all fired up in the morning about going to have a conference with my teachers. I'm guessing you didn't either. And so one of the things that my son, who's 13, and I prayed for recently in the car is we prayed for confidence. We prayed for boldness, that when he approached that teacher, he wouldn't be scared or fearful, but that he would be confident and would have the character of Christ to feel totally prepared for that moment. Now, listen, I'm a pastor, but I didn't do pastor dad. I wasn't like, well, Silas, as we drive down the road, let us enter the throne room of God's grace so that we may receive everything we need for our time of need, because you have a need. You're going to meet with your teacher, so let's, let's storm that throne room. I didn't do that. That'd be a little weird and awkward. But what I did is I said, let's pray. I'll keep my eyes open. You close yours. He's totally cool with that arrangement. Okay? So we're driving to school, and I said, let's pray. And we prayed, Lord, we are approaching you because we have a need. We have a need. And, and I pray this for my own life. Do you ever tell the Lord, I, I have a need, and I'm approaching you because you've told me that you've removed any barrier between me and you because of what Jesus has done? Praise God for Christmas. Praise God for Advent. I'm approaching you reverently because you're God and I'm not. But I'm approaching you confidently. And I'm going to ask you for what I need. Do you, do you do that? Do you do that? Because I told my son, we're praying for something to be summoned up in you. Christ is in you. We're praying for something to be summoned up and welled up in you in a way that you can't do on your own. So let's pray for that. And he goes in, and one of the hardest things, the parent is like, what's going on at school? How's that conversation going? No, it's happening right now. I'm praying for it. Like, how's that playing out? And when he came out of school that afternoon, he was walking a little bit taller. He was walking a little bit more confidently. I think he's a confident child anyway, but like, I'm, I'm telling you, it was noticeable. And the only thing I can attribute it to that was not there before is that we together asked God with confidence for what we needed in that moment, wisdom discernment, character, and, and I, it's crazy. God was faithful to his word. That's the strangest thing. He's always faithful to himself. He's never promised to honor anything Aaron says. He's never promised to honor anything you say, but he's always promised to honor his word. If you have a need, approach the throne room of grace it is not one where you are not welcome. It is one because of Christ where you are most welcome and God would like nothing better than to entertain you and abide with you and spend time with you. That is why here at this church we talk about having a relationship with Jesus. Not just saying, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That is true and that is important. Not just saying, I want Jesus to forgive my brokenness and forgive and remove my stain. I repent. I turn from me and myself, and I turn to Jesus. That is important, and it's true. That is what we call the process of receiving God's forgiveness and his salvation. But North America is full of people who said that, and it's true, and they believe that, and they belong to Jesus, but they haven't grown since then. They do not have a relationship, and that may seem awkward or odd, but... One of the reasons we, we, we encourage you to be in Christian biblical community with other women and men 
is because you often learn how to have confidence in approaching God and confidence for living by being in community with others. The boldness and the confidence that comes from God is often developed over time in community with other people. You can pray in a moment before you go into that meeting, before you go into that difficult conversation at Christmas. I don't know how many of you are praying right now because you need wisdom, you need discernment, you need tact, you need kindness, you need compassion for a family situation or something that you don't know that you're going to be facing. But, but, but here's what I want you to know. You can pray and you can ask for it and know that the God of the universe in Christ has fulfilled all of his promises to equip you in whatever way you need. I don't know what it is you need, but you can approach God with boldness. There's nothing stopping you. And they, listen, there's no greater privilege. The staff will tell you. There's no greater privilege than when somebody comes up and says, will you pray for me? What, what a humbling thing to, to represent you to our, to our Father. And, and, to, and to bang on heaven's door to say, please bless, empower, encourage, heal, undergird, support this man or this woman. There's no greater privilege. But the miracle of Christmas, the great high priest, is that you don't have to just come to someone else to offer that prayer to the Father. You have direct access to him all 168 hours of the week. And I hope that if there is something you have wanted to ask God but you've been hesitant to do, I hope today's the day that that changes for you. That you approach him with reverence because he's God and we're not. But that you stand up tall. And you know that you are in the throne room of his grace and his mercy and his hospitality. And he would like nothing better than to entertain your request. I find that sometimes when I think through that scenario before I make that request, it kind of whittles down my request list. And so you may want to do that. And when you get to the moment where you want to present your request to him, go boldly, go confidently. Because I got a feeling, just like I've seen it play out in our family's lives and in other relationships, when you gain confidence from being with God and community with others who are walking with God, it flows into every aspect of your life. And you start to live more confidently more assured of yourself, your identity in Christ, his work and his purpose in your life, it flows out of the relationship you have with him. And so I go back to our original question. What is it that you need from God? What is it that you need from God? And if you don't have it, don't let it be because you did not have the confidence to ask him. The confidence and the boldness to approach God for whatever it is that you may need, long for, or desire is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is what makes Christmas so wonderful. So if that is what you're longing for, it's found in a relationship with Jesus. Therefore, in response to Christmas, and if you look in your Bible, it doesn't say Christmas, okay? But therefore, in response to Advent, it doesn't say Advent. But therefore, in response to Jesus' birth, his death on your behalf, and God's glorious resurrection of his body to now live on your behalf and to empower you, you should most definitely approach God with confidence, knowing that he would love to give you mercy and distribute grace freely. If only you have the confidence to ask. Let's pray together.